to stay. Duke, fifth in red zone offense at the goal line. The pass is caught for the touchdown. Kalen Calhoun, 19 yards from Riley Leonard. Starling, 20. Starling leaps over a tackler at the 35. Might have been Ham trying to make the play. Did the ball come out? Indication is that Duke has the football. New levels threatened once again. Over the top and into the end zone. Jordan Waters airborne from a yard away for the Blue Devils. Through a hole on the left side, more. Can we get some music? Yeah! For the first time since 2019, Duke opens ACC play 1-0. Welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, alongside Jamie Holt, Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, and producer Justin Sykes. And this past weekend, Everyone was expecting a good game, and boy, did the Blue Devils deliver. As, again, they opened ACC play with a big victory for the first time since 2014 over the Virginia Cavaliers, 38-17. to And before we give our thoughts on the game, we were there. Here is Coach Elko postgame afterwards. Uh, obviously, really proud of our guys. You know, a lot of respect for Virginia, a lot of respect for that team. Uh, we knew that was going to be a big challenge for us. Um, and I thought our guys answered the bell. I thought we came out. I thought we played extremely physical. I thought we established the running game early, uh, kept it going late. I thought that seven-minute drive in the fourth quarter uh, was an attitude drive for our program, and that was great to see. Um, I thought defensively we bounced back, uh, made a lot of stops, did a much better job of, of kind of slowing their offense down and keeping it bottled up. And so I thought we did a really good job there. And then we made some big plays on special teams to get the block punt, to get the fumble recovery. Uh, I thought those things were critical. You know, we won the turnover battle again. Um, that was really important. And I thought we finished really strong. And uh, I thought those were the keys to the game. And so uh, proud of our guys. Uh, proud to get ACC win number one. But, um, you know, I just told them, you know, that's, that's the expectations around here are changing. And so, you know, we're excited for the win. But now it's kind of on to the next. And, you know, with these wins come more opportunities. And we're looking forward to it. And again, that was Coach Elko giving his thoughts after a big Duke victory over Virginia, 38-17. to And, fellas, this was one we all wanted. It had been a while. You know, I, I kind of joked on Twitter the day of the game, the last time Duke beat Virginia and put stats about each one of us, fans got a kick out of that. But in all seriousness, Overall thoughts, I think we can all be in agreement. This was probably one of the best games so far. There's only been five, but still, if there was ever a game that we needed to bring our A game, it was definitely this one. And this this was a great game in all phases of the game. I haven't seen it yet this year, to be honest. I mean, we've been playing good, don't get me wrong. But this was every single phase of the game from special teams to defense. Obviously, the defense was dominant. They were great. Uh, to offense, where we saw Kevin Johns probably call his best game that he's called as an offensive coordinator. We ran the ball all over him. It really was just a good old-fashioned ass-whooping. I mean, what else can you say? 
Tony Elliott got took behind the woodshed. You know, make those comments about Coach Elko all you want, and he he took him to school. It was a it was it was a pleasure to see. We hadn't beat Virginia since, in in all fairness, we hadn't beat Virginia since 2014. So I'm not going to talk but so much smack because it's it's been a long time. But it was great to see. It's great to start one and zero in the ACC. It was just a great game, all phases of the game. Yeah. Um, just as a reminder, I don't believe – I know that Coach Elliott said that he would have hired Coach Elko as his defensive coordinator, but judging by that offensive performance by UVA, I'm pretty sure Coach El- Elko would not return the favor <laughs> and hire Elliott as an offensive coordinator. So, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll leave it at that. All that to say, this is a different Duke team. Don't come at Duke with condescending comments. Don't come at Duke with these underhanded, you know, slaps in the face. Uh, even Nick Jackson after the game, uh, a little bit of condescension talking about Duke didn't do anything to win. We just lost this game after we literally hand manhandled them from the opening kickoff all the way through the end of the game. All that to say, talking about the actual game, that's what we're talking about. Number one, the weather. The weather did play a factor, I believe, in this game a little bit. Not the severe weather that we thought, but still it was rainy. Uh, it was kind of just wet all night long. I believe that helped us out. And I, I want to give a shout-out. By the way, if you haven't gone to our website yet, dukefootballtalk.com, you'll see that I gave this shout-out in my helmet sticker. I believe Kevin Johns called a nearly perfect game. And Amen. I say nearly perfect because on that first drive, we did we did flirt – two times in a row with the wide receiver screen. And we found out quickly that that was not the way to go on Saturday night. And kudos to Johns. Kudos to Johns. We hardly went back to it. We hardly went back to it at all. And so uh, so kudos to him. I thought he, he called a great game. I mean, Riley was was really good. Completion percentage, what, 18 of 24, I believe. Uh, didn't have to throw a lot. Um, our offensive line, the big boys up front, and then those running backs, uh, Johns was really smart. I believe, and just kind of slowing this game down once we got the lead. And then that incredible drive in the fourth quarter that went seven minutes and 35 seconds. We just churned the clock. Um, It was mentioned today at Coach Elko's presser uh, that, you know, Riley did a really good job of letting that that clock go all the way down to like two seconds. And in the past, kind of funny, but like Duke quarterbacks, we're hiking it with seven seconds to go, 10 seconds to go. But we burned that clock down, even though we only got a field goal out of it. At the end of the day, that was the drive that absolutely broke it. Um, you know, and, and that was game over. And so, yeah, what else, guys? What what who who are we thinking? I know there's some individual players that we've thought of. Uh, Scott, uh, who comes to mind um, that just played well this past Saturday? Well, I mean, obviously, I picked the offensive line as my helmet stickers, and you know, special also a shout out to the tight end room. Cole Finney and Nick, Nicky Domalin, they did a great job of blocking. Um, you know, that was a great point that uh, had been brought up there about the clock. And, you know, that was one of the things, as soon as the fourth quarter started, we ran one play from scrimmage and we noticed that they were just going to bl- start bleeding it. So they were bleeding the clock glue. There you go. Bad pun, but there you go. <laughs> so, you know, it was a great game plan when you get a team down like that, that they want to try to hurry up and, we saw success at times when they ran a hurry-up offense. But to me, and, you know, it's not my place. I don't care. But that was some of the most undisciplined football I've ever seen. 
you know, Thomas Jefferson would not have been proud <laughs> of his university after Saturday night, how undisciplined they were on the field. Then just the comments. I mean, I'm not going to go into the comments because I I can go off on a 15-minute tangent and it's not worth it. But, you know, you got beat, take your lumps, get back on 85, go north, Charlottesville's up on the left. Dude, we don't need you to run your mouth. You got beat. You didn't play the first half because you targeted. That's your fault. Maybe you should tackle better. Or maybe y'all should have tackled better, and that's why we scored as many points as we did. But anyway, as far as Duke, man, great. It was just a great game. The running backs did what they were supposed to do. Guys blocked. We tackled. There was a couple times that Armstrong got out there. But to be honest with you, I, to me, just me sitting on the sideline watching the game, I thought that was an awful game plan. Why in the world do you have such a great athlete like Carrot Top Jr. there, Brennan Armstrong? Why do you have him standing in the pocket? The guy ran all over us last all over Duke last year. And you have him standing in the pocket. Are you kidding me? I, I know let's be honest. I've coached a lot of basketball over the years, and I've been a very overconfident person, and I've gone into a game and as a player thinking there's no way this team has a prayer against us. And I think that's what they got preached at last week. I think that's what they did when they walked down the middle of the field, arms locked in while Duke was stretching and stuff. They walked right on the field as we were getting ready. Duke was getting ready to run out. They ran down there with the flag right to where the they were getting ready to come out the gate. That just showed the disrespect right there. And, hey, they got beat. That's all that matters to me at the end of the day. Duke won. One and zero in the ACC, four and one overall. I wanted to shout out Shaka Hayward real quick because he didn't get a helmet sticker, but he probably probably could have been our uh, fifth helmet sticker this week. I, I think he had probably one of his best games he's had all year. Just in command of the defense, he was all over the field, uh, just making plays. So shout yeah, out to Shaka. I agree. And then and then how about the batted balls from the defensive line? I mean, you know, we we spoke with Coach Elko at his presser and asked about was it the arm was it the arm angle of Brennan Armstrong that caused so many? And he said it was it was multiple things. He's like, you know, obviously, you know, Armstrong's a successful quarterback, and so it's not his fault per se. But like we did take opportunities to make sure our hands were up at the right time. And shout out Jamion Franklin for that, you know, like with the, with two of those. And then Shaka had one, and Dwayne had one. Michael Reese. Michael Reese had one. That's Jamion right. had two of them. Yeah, Jamion had two. And then obviously the big sack there from from Jamion as well. So, yeah, Brian, what are your thoughts, man? You were up in the uh, you were up there in the in the crow's nest um, in media, and what were your thoughts from up from your vantage point? Well, all I will say is this is that there were comments made by certain media members and they were tongue in cheek comments. And I would say about, let's see here. I'd say about 10 minutes into the first quarter, those comments quickly stopped. And then the comments turned into how much longer before this game ends? Why did we do this? Why did we do that? So even the press for the opposing team realized this isn't the same team that Virginia beat 48 to nothing last year with almost the exact same players on the field. Uh, it was it was good. It was a different view, a different vantage point for me. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy the fact that I couldn't cheer. 
almost got kicked out once, but I caught myself before uh before I let myself go there. But overall, I said it earlier uh, in the opener, probably the best complete game other than Temple that this team has played this year so far. There wasn't – they had maybe one hiccup, and that was in the fourth quarter when they gave that late touchdown up. And I actually tweeted about this. It was the next drive will determine whether or not we're going to keep Virginia away from winning this game. And what Josh said, we held on to the ball for seven and a half minutes. Poetry in motion, that was the best thing we could have done. And you could just see all the Virginia fans dejected in the stands. And, again, I'm just going to read some stuff off to you guys that I I found while I was uh, doing my research today. Obviously, first win since Virginia or against Virginia since 2014. Our largest margin of victory over Virginia since the 2013 game where we won 35 to 22. Our defense is still only giving up 19 points per game. We held a very talented Virginia team. They're still having their troubles, I get that, to only 17 points. Fellas, that puts us 29th in the nation defensively as far as points per game. Our offense is averaging 35 points per game, 38th in the country. And here's the biggest thing, and a lot of people didn't know this even in the press box. We are leading the country The country, not the ACC conference, not the East Coast of teams, the country in fumble recoveries. If you would have told us last year that the 2022 Duke team would lead a category defensively, pretty sure we would have all laughed at you. But here we are, eight fumble recoveries. Anyone want to guess who we're tied with? There's one team we're tied with. They're in the SEC. I'll give you that. Just take a guess. Ole Miss. Nope. Tennessee. Nope. Arkansas. Family. 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 (laughs) But all that to say, this is the kind of momentum that we need heading into, great segue, next week's game, the upcoming game down in Atlanta against a Georgia Tech team that, if you had told us two weeks ago, might have a chance to compete with Duke. I think we all would have laughed in your face. But as we've seen with the changes in the last week, Georgia Tech might be here. And Josh actually got a chance to sit down with Andy Demetra, play-by-play announcer for Georgia Tech, and get his thoughts on this weekend's game down in Atlanta in Bobby Dodd Stadium. And we're joined now by Andy Demetra, the play-by-play announcer for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And Andy will be on the call for Saturday afternoon's game. Uh, for Georgia Tech at Bobby Dye Stadium. Andy, thanks for coming back on the Section 17 podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, listen, we got a couple of questions for you. Obviously, uh, you, uh, your team down there in Atlanta going through uh, kind of a wild couple of weeks. Uh, but can we just ask, man, how big was the win against Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh? How big was that win for this program with everything that's gone on over the last few weeks, a few days? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it was a trying week, and there was no sugarcoating that for, for this Georgia Tech program. So to cap a trying week with a triumphant game versus Pittsburgh, a place where they hadn't won since 2014, I, I think it reaffirms to this team whose psyche had been knocked around a bit through the first month of the season that they do have a lot of talent in that locker room. It may not have shown it in some of the results they had gotten in September, but if they play the way they're capable of, they can get the results they want. I think you saw that versus Pittsburgh. 
Brent Key was very forthcoming afterwards. He said they've got a lot to clean up, but he liked the effort, the energy level, and just the overall resilience that they displayed uh, against a team that, you know, we, we, lest we forget, won the ACC championship last year. So I know it was an emotional Saturday night for Brent Key. I'm sure it was emotional for those players that haven't been through the ringer the previous six days. But uh, we'll see what it does for the morale of this team and, and, and kind of what their aspirations and ambitions are moving forward. Yeah, you spoke of uh, interim coach Brent Key's emotions and post-game, uh, his, his TV interview. Can you explain just what it means to the Georgia Tech program, right, to, to the, the players, the players' family, the other uh, student-athletes, to have a guy like Brent Key who, honestly, we don't know much about. But what does it mean to the program to have a guy like him leading them through this transition? Well, he's one of their own. You know, he was a four-year letter winner here at Georgia Tech on the offensive line. He was all ACC his senior year. He was a team captain, and he's poured a lot of himself into this institute, both as a player, as a student, and now as a coach. And I think whenever you elevate an offensive line coach to interim head coach, middle of the season, there is that expectation that you'll have a head coach who – is very focused and intense. And from having observed practice last week, once Brent Key took over, that was clearly the case at Georgia Tech. He's a very no-nonsense, stoic guy. He's not afraid of getting after guys. And I think that really commanded the attention of this team. It would have been very easy for Georgia Tech to come out with a funereal atmosphere those first couple of days of practice, but Brent Key would not allow that to happen. And he was in the same boat as, as the players. He, he kind of acknowledged that to his team as well. We're all fighting the same thing, but it was up to them to play, uh, not worried about something bad happening, but going out and making something good happen. And I think you saw that effort, that fight, that intensity that came from the top with Brent Key with what Georgia Tech did against Pittsburgh on Saturday. But like we said, he has a lot of cachet with the locker room because he's somebody who's been on that field, who's been through that program before. And he's somebody who has a lot of pride in his alma mater uh, and so whatever may come over these next seven weeks of the season to have uh, a, a native son in so many respects lead the program, I think means a lot to the players surrounding Brent Key. Yeah, you mentioned he's a no-nonsense guy. We noticed just by looking at the uh, – reading a couple articles and looking at the stats from uh, from Saturday, even replaced the kicker, going with Gavin Stewart, and Stewart goes four for four, you know, in that game. So just being willing to go in there and basically say, listen, like we're going to put whoever is the best for the situation out there and that's how we're going to win football games. I think that's very respectable. Yeah, it certainly was. And, and he, you know, he tried to put his stamp on the program in, in what he could. This first week, Georgia Tech went back to a standard depth chart, first and second string. Uh, that had not been a staple of the program the previous mm -hmm. three-plus years. He wasn't afraid to mix things up. Like you said, bringing in Gavin Stewart, who hadn't kicked a field goal, uh, save for one in the 2021 season. And that was in the season opener. And it was a desperation 60 yarder at the end of the game. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes that can be good competition and getting that yeah. mental reset uh, from around the locker room can be good for a program, especially with where Georgia Tech had been languishing through these first couple of weeks. He, he, he pushed the right buttons. You can't argue that uh, for that Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Well, looking ahead now to Saturday afternoon's game, um, against Duke as, as, as Duke travels down uh, to Atlanta, four o'clock kickoff on the Valley Sports Network. We wanted to have you fill in the blank on uh, a few statements and questions when it comes to this matchup with this Georgia Tech team. All right, so we'll do a quick fill in the blank here. Uh, first of all, an area that this Georgia Tech team will excel at on the field this Saturday is what? 
I, I think rallying to the football, and, and I know that Duke is 15th in the nation in yards per play. Uh, they've got really capable runners, including Riley Leonard, but, you know, and, and I might be seeing this through gold-colored glasses, but I, I think Ace Ely and Charlie Thomas may be one of, if not the best linebacking tandem in the ACC. Charlie Thomas, the ACC linebacker of the week, and just one half versus Pittsburgh had seven tackles, an interception, a fumble recovery, a QB hurry. He was all over the field. And then you have A.C. Lee, who leads the ACC in tackles, leads the ACC in tackles per, per game, and is fifth in the nation in that category. You have two guys who fit gaps and will fly around. And I think that's so important when you have a mobile quarterback like Riley Leonard, who we know is so accurate, but he's also very dangerous when he can scramble and, and get yards with his feet. So I think that's an area where Georgia Tech will excel. I know Duke has been very stingy in surrendering tackles for loss this year, but the, the, can't, the, the antidote to that for Georgia Tech is having A.C. Ely and Charlie Thomas. Those are two really good, good anchors in the middle of the line. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I completely understand that. Uh, secondly, uh, Duke fans need to watch out. You've already mentioned a couple guys, but maybe some other ones. Duke fans need to watch out for who this Saturday? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess Charlie Thomas, A.C. Ely would be the obvious choices uh, on the defensive side, I'll add Keon White to that. Keon uh, was not full strength last year. He missed the Duke game. He was still recovering from an ankle injury that he suffered uh, spring of his 2021 year at Old Dominion. And even when he did come back, he was far from full strength. Now you're seeing a fully healthy Keon White, who is a sophomore at Old Dominion in 2019, was 10th in the nation in tackles for loss. He's just a disruptive, distru a destructive guy. 286 pounds you can play inside he can play defensive end and he's getting better with every single game and so I think he's been that wrecking crew type of guy that Georgia Tech has been starred for the last couple of seasons on the offensive side of the ball Nate McCollum is somebody who only had 13 career receptions entering this season but he's a really crisp route runner he's got the vertical speed to take the top off a of defense when Georgia Tech needed some clutch first downs on third downs in the fourth quarter versus Pittsburgh Jeff Sims was going to Nate McCollum. And so I think he has become that, that safety net security blanket type wide receiver for Jeff Sims, really growing into his own as the number one receiver for Georgia Tech here on offense. Nice. Now Georgia Tech can win its second straight game of the season if. Uh, I, I think they need to win the turnover battle. And that was what helped flip the game for them at Pittsburgh. They forced three second half turnovers. Thomas had two of them, like we said, but we know that Duke is really good at valuing the football, right? That they, they, They've yet to lose a fumble. They're and, among the nation's Andy, leaders. If I can interrupt you, that is music to my ears because we have lived through two to three seasons where you absolutely could not have made that statement about this Duke football program. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, last in the, in the nation in turnover margin in 2020 and Still in the 100s nationally last season, even though that was an improvement. But, yeah, that, that's been the most impressive turnaround for me and for anybody else who I think is observing Duke from afar. The guy, the fact that you guys are plus eight in turnover margin. And Georgia Tech is a ball hawking defense. When, when they mm -hmm. have had success over the last several years, they have won that turnover battle. That's not necessarily breaking news. Teams that win the turnover margin more often than not win the game. But I think that has to be an integral part of Georgia Tech's blueprint for success on Saturday. But that's not an easy thing to do against Duke, and, and Georgia Tech has to value that football as well. Yeah, they did not commit a turnover versus Duke, but there were at least three throws Jeff Sims had versus Pittsburgh that could have plausibly been interceptions. He has had some hard luck interception in his career. 
the football gods were looking after him on Saturday, but he has to be a little bit tougher in those high-risk throws uh, on Saturday because Georgia Tech will need to uh, be on the right side of the turnover margin, I think, if they want to win that game. For sure. And then uh, last question here, Duke could win. Uh, Duke will win this game against Georgia Tech this Saturday for the first time since 2019, by the way, if they what? I think you have to squelch any momentum early and set that tone. And Duke's done such a good job of that this year. I mean, it, it jumps off the page that they've outscored opponents 66 to seven in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech has been a slower starting team. They maybe had their best first quarter of the season, hands down. In fact, their best first quarter of the season versus Pittsburgh. Uh, they were up three nothing, but golly, they, they will take that because they've had some nightmarish opening quarters this season. So, yeah, I, I think they have to really set that tone and, and maybe leach some of the emotion out of the Georgia Tech sideline and the mm-hmm. Bobby Dodd Stadium crowd by just doing what they've done well all season, which is kind of uh, uh, establish their dominance in the opening 15 minutes. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for, for giving us some insight on Georgia Tech. And by the way, just from our perspective, it was really, really neat to see you guys get that win. Not that we really have a rooting interest either way because you're both Coastal Division opponent, opponents, but really neat to see you guys uh, get that win this past Saturday with the interim coach, with everything that happened. And so we really appreciate you joining us on the Section 17 podcast again. Good luck this Saturday's game and with the rest of the season uh, there at Georgia Tech. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, safe travels to your podcast audience to Atlanta and I uh, look forward to catching up with you guys soon. Have a great one, Andy. Thanks. All right, thank you. And again, our thanks to Andy Demetra for coming on and another great personality who was really diving deep with Josh. Josh, I, I think you will agree. That was a, a great talk. We've, we've been very fortunate this year so far to have the opposing teams play-by-play men come on and, and really dive deep with us because, look, they know more about their team than we do. We can do all the research, but they have the tidbits that we might not know about. And again, this I, I said this last week in the press box to uh, – Mr. Connor O'Neill, I told him that the any time a team releases their head coach and brings on an interim coach, we've experienced it all the way back in 2003 with Ted Roof. But anytime you bring an interim coach in with a different philosophy, different teachings, different ways, it reinvigorates a team. And we saw that this past Saturday night. Georgia Tech upset Pitt. No one expected that to happen. And I'm kind of glad that they didn't let Jeff Collins go after the pit game because it would have been us in this situation, especially heading down to Atlanta. Yeah, Anyone? I mean, Brent, yeah, no, sorry. I thought you were like mid-sentence there, man. No, 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, I had to take a breath. I was I was really – I was in my preaching <laughs> voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brent – Um, man, Brent Key, what, what a great job he did. I mean, honestly, think about it. I mean, we – Andy mentioned it, but, I mean, he comes in and he, he immediately begins changing things, and – you got to give him credit for that. And um, so I think what we have to look at is a couple of things. Number one, stats, according to the numbers, Georgia Tech is not a good football team. Now, we have to qualify that with the level of competition they played at UCF, at Pittsburgh, Clemson, uh, Ole Miss. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's a crazy, some crazy competition. But, I mean, Sims has been very, very, very suspect at quarterback. His completion percentage, he's in – I think he's at like 55% for the year or something like that. <clears throat> he was really, really bad this past week at Pittsburgh as well. I think he was 11 for 26 uh, this past week. And so the, the, the passing offense 
uh, does not make me nervous. The rushing offense does. That's where Sims is uh, seeming to be at his best. And then Hassan, what's the last name again? Hall. Yeah, that's Hall. Right, Hassan Hall. Uh, leading them, you know, obviously running the football. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, Sims has been sacked 17 times. I don't know that the offensive line pass protects well. Obviously, they don't. They must be much better run blockers. I mean, at the end of the day, guys, I'm not trying to be overconfident here. What I am saying is I think this it was maybe a perfect storm there. Maybe Pitt is not as good as what they thought. Pitt's struggling. Uh, they came in on a, like an emotional high, and they they – their new field goal kicker went four for four. Everything bounced their way. I mean, even Andy said there was a couple of throws that Sims made that should have been picked off that weren't. So the, the ball bounced their way. I'm not trying to overlook them at all. I'm just saying they're pretty bad, and uh, we just got to go in and do what we're supposed to do, but they're pretty bad. They They yeah. might be coming off that contact high, too. They had a big emotional win. Now Duke comes into play. They, you see, again, if you're a true football fan, you see it almost with every team that replaces a coach midseason. Again, we had that go- happen in 2003 with Ted Roof. I think there was, what, four games left, something like that. Carl Franks got let go. Ted Roof comes in, wins two out of the last three. That gets him the job, probably the worst decision ever made. But still, it, it happens. Miami did it to us. The knee was down game. I don't want to rehash old bad memories, but it is what it is. They won that game. So that's neither here nor there. I don't think any of us are looking at, you know, past this game. Certainly this Duke team is not based off of Coach Elko's comments. But as we did last week, we got some questions from you, the fans, and we thank you each and every week for doing that. We're going to probably keep this segment going for the rest of the season. We really like to hear from you guys. So who's got the questions? Jamie, do you have the questions? Got a couple here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm on – Facebook here, and we got Drew Cheshire, who we got a chance to meet this weekend. He says, they beat a really good pit team. Is that an anomaly, or did the coaching shakeup make them better? And for me, I think, you know, it could be a mixture of both. Like, it's hard to say. Uh, We've even seen this at Duke, and I was going to mention this as we were previewing Georgia Tech. We've seen this at Duke. Ted Roof came on and took over. And all of a sudden, Duke was playing a lot better. And then they took that, you know, took that interim tag off Ted Roof and made him the head coach, and things didn't turn out so well. But it's a little bit of a mixture of both for me. Um, they're obviously bought in to pre- – uh, what's his – what's the Key. coach's name again? Key. Brent Key. Brent Key. Brent Key. And Collins was not getting it done. He lost the locker room. Uh, so it's a little bit of both for me. Pitt, to me, is not nearly as good as they were last year. Losing Pickett, I think people didn't realize how big of a loss Pickett was. Kenny Pickett was going to be. I mean, because that guy, that guy was balling last year, and Pitt was and won the ACC, obviously. So I don't know what you guys think, but it's a little bit of kind of a mixture for me. Well, to me, it, you know, when you change the when you change the coaching. It's a new voice. And if you're over or you're having a bad year, this if you get a new voice, a new person to tell you, hey, you can do this. Hey, we know you can do this. Motivation is a big deal. I mean, if you're a master motivator in sports, you do a great job nine out of ten times. If you suck at it, 
you suck at it. To me, that's one of the things that, you know, is a good thing for Georgia Tech. Um, on the Pittsburgh side of things, they lost their best running back at Banacanda in the second quarter. And another thing that a lot of people don't talk about, you know, Jamie mentioned Pickett gone. Their offensive coordinator left too. That's right. He's at he's at Nebraska now. Not that that really freaking matters, <laughs> but he's at Nebraska. So they have a whole new system. Yep. And, you know, they have a brand new quarterback who hasn't really played in about two or three years in Slovis. So, but Georgia Tech, hey, if you hit the team on the right day and you play your best ball, that's the one good thing about it. You know, we, this is not an expansion type of conversation, but that's the one thing about expanding the playoffs to 12 teams. Right team can beat anybody any night. App State A&M which is totally different conversation, but you know what I mean. So that's to me that I think that maybe what happened. Can I, can I just say this really quick, Josh, before you go, we're in the last year of divisions. They're going to go to that three, five, five next year. And what better way for the coastal division to go out than with calamity, the teams yes. that we thought yes. were going to be great are struggling. The teams that the media thought were not going to be good. Duke are doing better than anybody expected. If you would have told me that Tyler Van Dyke down in uh, Miami got benched against a Middle Tennessee State game and then the media was questioning whether he was still a starter, I would have called you crazy at the beginning of the year. So I just – I'm going to miss Coastal Calamity. But, again, this is this is a crazy year so far. But, um, Jamie, what what's the next question? Yeah, I got another one off of Facebook, and then I'll, I'll kind of move over to Twitter for one or two if we want okay. to. Yep. Uh, is the key Brian Alford says on Facebook is the key to stopping Georgia Tech on offense going to come down to containment of Sims or is it going to be getting pressure on him? Neither. <laughs> I, I, no. Yeah, I, I mean, based off of what I saw, and again, this could just be the anomaly with Pitt, and I'll let you other guys talk more. They had 232 rushing yards against Pittsburgh. Sims I, only had I think that's part of the question containment meaning containing sims running the ball right and i said i don't think either i think it's containing the running back game oh i mean how many does sims have sims rushing rushing. yards he has 67 rushes for 206 yards on the season that's adjusted that's adjusted he's only averaging three yards a carry well it's all adjusted for sacks he's been sacked 17 times i know but he's got like 400 yards rushing on the season so i'm not I'm, i'm just Throwing that out, I think that's the question. It's like, are we concerned more about him passing the ball or running the ball? Like, I'm, I'm definitely more concerned about him running the passing. I'm absolutely not afraid of him passing the ball. Like, when we went to Kansas a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were terrified of the QB up there. You know, yeah, we were terrified that he was going to not only run, run on us but pass on us because we knew that also, not only was he running around everywhere, he has a 67% completion percentage, but going down to Atlanta. Sims, like Josh mentioned earlier, he's sitting at a 56% completion percentage. So really, the only thing I'm concerned about with him is, is him getting out, outside of containment, breaking containment and getting getting 15, 20 yards, you know, running down the field. But they also got their other two running backs. Uh, one was the Hassan Hall, who almost six yards a carry, and then you got Smith, who has 33 carries, 11 carries less than Hassan Hall, but he also averages almost six yards a carry. So 
kind of got a two-headed monster running back along with Sims. Yeah. So I, that's the only shot they've got. That's the only shot they've got is to run. And so, like, I, I, I'm, I'll take our run defense any day of the week. I would say this, and I think this is one of the things that they've gotten us on the last couple of years. They do like to run that wheel route to the running back. Oh, Lord. And that is that is one thing that Duke has not done well with, and we struggled at times against Northwestern. Yes. So that's a, Hall, if man. you want to talk about something that worries me, that wheel route will always worry me. But I think other than that, we should be fine. Duke should be fine. Duke averaging 133 yards given up to their opponent on the ground through five and, games. And this past week we were under 100. Is that right? I believe so. 93 yards. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I can't believe that we are now going into the fifth game of the season. Our secondary has yet to break down. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's knocking on wood right now. Uh, well, Our, well, not all fans believe that. That's true, Mary. Oh, never mind. Um, but uh, but our our secondary is yet to break down. The defensive line, while we're not causing getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback from it, I mean, we've been pretty good. Now, once again, Anthony Nelson being out this this uh for this game is going to be something. But anyway, I just can't believe we're sitting here talking about how good our defense is, thinking about how bad our defense was last year. So anyway, Jamie, are there other questions? Yeah, I got um, I think one more from Twitter. All the other ones from Twitter were kind of the same ones that we we covered there on Facebook. Um, Sam at LA Dodgers all day. Scott loves that being the Giants fan. Like <laughs> uh, we're not on video. <laughs> he says, "I think GT has gotten some people's attention after upsetting Pittsburgh, rightfully so. So, are there any similarities in what Pittsburgh does?" to what Duke does that could give Tech the edge this week if they have the same approach. Scott, you're probably the most familiar with Pitt uh, of any of us. I mean, they, they like to throw the football, but they do have a two-headed monster in the backfield. Um, looking at Georgia Tech, though, to be honest with you, they have one receiver, Nate McCollum, with 21 receptions. No one else has more than that, nine. Oh, wow. So, to me, it's, uh, it's almost like a one-man show. And, you know. I kind of like the chances there. And who would have thought about this? There is no comparison between Slovis and Riley Leonard. We have a much Ooh. better quarterback. Yeah, the five-star quarterback, quarterback from UC the, from USC is no. down here, where Riley's on the very top. If you look at the list, shout out Riley Leonard, man. Riley did not make our helmet sticker this week. We would not <laughs> allow Jamie to do it a third week in a row. It yes. wouldn't. Me. I was like, you know, I was trying to. I was trying to get it. So, hey, so basically, we, basically, we love you, Riley, just so you know. Yeah, Jamie just needs to copy and paste the different scores and stats for his helmet sticker. Pretty <laughs> much. I do want to point out one more thing before we move on to um, our next segment. Uh, I, I know you all probably saw it at a, a David Hill joint, the tweet earlier. Duke has been stopped without a first down on just 14.3% of drives so far this season. <laughs> That's the sixth best rate in the country just behind Ohio State and just ahead of Georgia. That's amazing. Kevin Johns, miracle worker. In all seriousness, it's surreal, guys. Like, I think I think all Duke fans need to, need to like, soak this in. Because enjoy it. Enjoy it. And think about this. And I was, I was actually speaking to another member of the media 
uh, today about this. Duke is doing this with high majority of the same players that took the field last year. Yep. Now we did, obviously there's two starters in the secondary that we brought in through transfer. We've already mentioned Cam Dillon, I believe. Have we mentioned him? Maybe that was off the air. But we've no, we Cam Dillon is, is in the rotation. We have two offensive linemen in the rotation. But let's just take it, those five guys that are playing. Other than that, our two deep is basically last year's team with with VJ Anthony and, and Chandler Rivers as true freshmen. Like, and this team is playing this good. Like, shout out to this coaching staff, man. Like, like they I mean, are absolutely getting the job done. What a difference a year makes. I mean, it is it is insane. I mean, it was we were talking about when we were leaving. I mean, just a change in coaching staff. And Nina King absolutely made the best hire she could possibly make for Duke University. And then not only that, she said in the press conference, you know, we're willing to spend money on assistance. And that's what they did. They went out and they got Coach Elko the best assistance. And look what's happening. The defense is markedly better. The offense is crazy better. Like it's just, it's just been awesome. You know, also, we want to throw a, a shout out, happy birthday to the friend of the pod, Nina King. Yeah, yeah. On her, on her 29th birthday. HBD, <laughs> HBD, Nina King. She's but the same know, age as me. So. Exactly. There 29, you go. 29. Nina, I hope you get to stay home tonight and watch the Real Housewives of whatever. And enjoy your evening. So, uh, but, you know, going back to what Jamie just said, though, talking about um, the the team responding and things like that, it goes back to the the new voice thing, where I believe that Coach Elko coming in has supreme confidence in these guys in the players. Uh, he had supreme confidence in David Feely. And you look at what David Feely has done for the program just in the where the team looks from before spring ball to now. Then, I mean, we have a quarterback who, like Jay, I think Jamie said it Saturday while we were sitting there, the guy's locked in. I mean, you can look at his face and just tell he's he's there. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. Takes a snap, he knows exactly where the ball is going to go for anybody else does. So, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, listen, that's our thoughts. Uh, kind of, well, it kind of turned into our thoughts on like where we're at this season. Um, I had this game circled, this Virginia game, to be honest with you. Um, I had this game circled as like a huge, important game. Um, because it was the first ACC game, that whole Elliott uh thing. We won now, two of the three games that we thought had to be like winnable correct. games, correct. I think this game, I think the win was a big win towards obviously towards bowl eligibility. We've given our thoughts on Georgia Tech coming up and no slouch. I know that we said that they're not that good, but listen, they weren't that good. And then they beat Pittsburgh. So, like, they're not that good and they could beat us. So, we'll, we'll give our predictions um, at the end uh, of the of the episode tonight. But we are moving on uh, to our newest uh, portion and segment of our podcast. And we call this the Not Yet Sponsored. This week in Duke football history, Scott Bedlam, take it away. This week is a week that will not have a depressing thing where people will be down after I read what I'm about to read. So we're going to go way back to October the 6th, 2012. 
So that's a long time ago for most people. Anthony Boone threw, went 18 for 31 with 212 passing yards, four touchdowns and zero interceptions, and added seven rushes for 41 yards in a victory over Virginia, 42 to 17. That moved Duke to four and one overall that year and two and zero in the ACC. They had beat Wake Forest the week before, which was probably one of the last times we beat Wake Forest. But also in that game, Jawan Thompson ran for seven, 71 yards for seven carries, 71 yards, a touchdown. He had two receptions for 12 yards and a touchdown. Connor Vernon had a big game. Led the team with seven receptions for 93 yards and two touchdowns. And then Jamison Crowder also had four receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown. So that was this week's. This week in Duke football history. I got you, Scott. I looked, the screen looked frozen when I did that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Connor Vernon and Jamison Crowder. (laughs) How sick is that? Like, how sick of a duo is that? That was the year before everything, or was, yeah, that was the year before uh, we, we, we peaked. So, what happened? What was it? Was it the following week that what I think happened happened for us to go eligible, full eligible? We'll, we'll find out next week. We will find out next <laughs> week. Teaser, teaser for next week. I love the it. Teaser. The teaser. Well, I appreciate that. As we mentioned, that's not yet sponsored. If you're interested in becoming a, a sponsor of this podcast, send us a DM on Twitter. Uh, or you can email us dukefootballtalk at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you. But speaking of sponsorships, our next segment is the Tell the Tape, and it is sponsored by our friends from Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Before Brian brings the Tell the Tape, let's hear from our sponsor. Hey guys, Brian here with the Section 17 podcast. Quick question for you. What do Duke, North Carolina Central, and the Durham Public School Systems have in common? Well, they all have their heating and air service work done by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Comfort Mechanical Contractors offers full-service commercial HVAC organization, as well as install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls, as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919-383-2502. That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. And as always, our thanks to Comfort Mechanical Contractors, who are the season-long sponsor of the Tell of the Tape. And this week, we talk about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Last year, Georgia Tech went 3-9 and nine and did not make a bowl game. Now, heading into this week, as we discuss, Georgia Tech is currently 2-3, and three, and they upset 24th-ranked Pitt 26-21 this past Saturday. Now, Brent Key is in his second game as interim head coach for Georgia Tech and he's been with the Yellow Jackets since 2019. Now, before coming to Atlanta, he had stints as an assistant coach at Alabama, Central Florida, and Western Carolina. Now, as far as the series matchup, this is the 90th matchup between Duke and Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech leads the series matchup on Duke 53-36 with one tie in the series. Now, the first ever meeting between Duke and Georgia Tech was played all the way back on December 2nd, 1933 in Atlanta, where Georgia Tech defeated then undefeated Duke 6 to nothing. Now, since this inaugural game, the two teams have played against each other every year. 
And last year, Georgia Tech defeated Duke in Durham 31-27, and they are currently on a two-game winning streak against Duke. And now it's time for Did You Know? Georgia Tech was a part of the most lopsided game in college football history. The game took place in Atlanta on October 7, October 7th, check that, 1916 against Cumberland College. Now Cumberland had actually disbanded their football team before the season started, but they weren't allowed to cancel the game against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's then coach, John Heisman, yes, that Heisman, was insistent on the scheduling agreement staying intact and even offered Cumberland $500, which equates to $13,000 today, along with all expenses paid to come play the game. Now, many believe that Heisman was so adamant to play the game due to Cumberland's baseball team defeating Georgia Tech 22-0 earlier in the year. Rumors swirled after the game that Cumberland had used professional ball players as ringers to ensure a victory. The Cumberland College football team that showed up in Atlanta that day was filled mostly by fraternity brothers and law students. Once the game started, Heisman showed no mercy. The Yellow Jackets would score 63 points in the opening quarter and would lead at halftime a mere 126 to nothing. Making sure his team kept playing, this is the best part, Heisman reportedly told the players at halftime, quote, you're doing all right team, we're ahead, but you just can't tell what those Cumberland players have up their sleeves. They may spring a surprise, be alert men, hit them clean, but hit them hard. The team would heed Heisman's words and would score another 96 points in the second half and would go on to defeat Cumberland 222 to nothing. The lopsided victory is a record that will never be broken in college football. And that was the tell of the tape brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Boy, can you imagine Twitter Jamie back then? Like, if Oh my God. If I was a Cumberland fan? You would have been blocked, suspended, taken off Twitter completely. I mean, I just, I cannot imagine that, guys. Can you, I mean, we we see some lopsided victories this day and age, but like 70 to six, 222 to nothing. And I got to give kudos to John Heisman. He looked out for his school and for his baseball team and said, uh-uh, y'all are coming down. We're getting a little revenge. He was the original Steve Spurrier. <laughs> I wonder if they yeah. took a photo in front of the scoreboard. You know, even, I'm, but I'm, even I would tell my guys it, to tackle played? the coach. Yeah, yeah. Who was it? Was a Syracuse that played like Wagner or something this week? Yes, fifty nine. And, and didn't they? Someone didn't they uh, shorten the quarters in the second yeah, half? Ten minute quarters in the second half. They agreed at halftime because it was so lopsided. So lopsided. I mean, none of that either. Heisman's like, nah, we're playing a full game and keep the pedal to the metal, fellas. The the fact that the the halftime speech was like, yeah, we're up. But they could come back. You never know what those law students have up their sleeve. And frat brothers. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure the frat brothers were having an adult beverage at halftime. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were. Well, listen, how awesome. Speaking of scores, 222 to nothing. We didn't quite beat Virginia that bad, but we did handily beat them. In fact, way more than we predicted. And so you guys went on Twitter and Facebook and gave us your predictions heading into the game. And by golly, one of you hit the nail on the head. Brian, let's talk about it. I'm going to get to the by golly second. Let me go All to right. Twitter first because yep. you folks on Twitter are good. Yep. All right. Our Twitter winner is Bobby Boom. He interacts with us a lot at Broker Rob. He was off by one point total. So $1, Bob, 
He predicted Duke 37, Virginia 17. So he got the Virginia score on the nail. I thought that was great. Even better on Facebook. Kristen White Janger. She got it. Nail on the head. Duke 38, Virginia 17. Kristen, we, we decided not only are you going to get a bleed blue shirt, but because you got it exactly right, you're going to get a Duke Football Talk sticker helmet magnet free of charge. Both are coming your way. We'll be reaching out to you uh, tomorrow once the episode drops. So again, congrats to you both. And don't worry, come Wednesday, we will post what we think or what we're asking you, what you think the score prediction is going to be for the upcoming game against Georgia Tech. Yeah, not only did Kristen uh, pick it, she then screenshotted it and made sure we knew Oh yeah, she picked it. That, that, was, out, Shout that out, was a Brian move. Yeah, I'm a little was, jealous. I hadn't even been close on the scores this year. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe she should make my picks. Maybe Kristen could be like our Lee Corso. You know, like <laughs> not so fast, my friend. Exactly, exactly. Well, it is that time. Uh, we've talked about what we think is going to happen in this game in Atlanta coming up this Saturday at 4 p.m. It's time to give our predictions um, of the score of who's going to win. And then, obviously, the ever-important uniform combo. So, who wants to go? Brian, would you give us the over-under and the numbers, and then uh, we can roll forward from there. Please hold. Uh, Y'all talk so much yourself. I I thought I was ready, but I wasn't. You caught me. It only took five games, but you caught me. Give me a second. I think Scott's got it. Okay. Duke as a three-point favorite. Look at there. 53-and-a-half is the over-under. Scott, Scott, my back always. Thank you, Scott. Scott Medlin brought you my bet online. (laughs) <laughs> but not and Duke has a 60% chance per ESPN of winning uh, and, and by the way uh, I just I have to say this a friend of mine reached out before the season he said hey man Duke said a three and a half wins for the whole season what do you think I said oh take the over he texted me and said hey man thanks I just paid out my uh, ticket yeah. this past weekend already baby we yeah, also have someone else who did that so I love it Jordan oh yeah that's right Friend of the pod. That's right. Well, well, Scott, since you got the stats before me, why don't you get us rolling first with your uh, jersey and score prediction? All right. So the jersey combination, um, I'm going to go with a blue lid with a white D. I'm going to go with a white shirt. And I'm going to go with blue pants. I think they're going to try to mix it up a little bit. Um, And as far as score prediction... We're not coming back to you this week. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I was going to say something like, I'll just say thirty-five seventeen. I was going to say thirty-eight, but that's last week's score, and I don't see it happening two weeks in a row. So thirty-five seventeen, dude. I think I'm going to irritate Brian here on on purpose a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go my combination, my uniform combination: blue helmet, white D, white jersey, black pants. Yeah. We've not seen those yet. Oh, I don't think we've ever seen that. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be terrible. So, but, I mean, I had to throw something out there. I don't know. I thought I'd try to, try to do be a little different. Hey, challenge accepted, Josh. You go next. I'm gonna see if we've ever won that. Hang oh, on. Jamie's gonna get his. Score. Jamie's still gonna do his thing. Yeah, I got you though. I, I know. Yeah. I'm just setting Josh up to yeah, go yeah. after Jamie. Sorry, Jamie. I really think we will handle our business against Georgia Tech, but I do think Georgia Tech is going to play better and. You might have a juiced-up home crowd. I'm not sure what it's going to look like in Atlanta down there. I'm not sure if it's going to be be uh, many fans there, if they're going to, or or what. But I'm going to go 
Duke, 34. Georgia Tech, 14. I think we pull away in the end. All and, right. And win. I can respect that. Uniform combo for me, uh, in the spirit of Jamie, I'm going to go with a combo that we've done before, but I hate. I just feel like it's about time for one of these. I'm going to go black with the blue D, white shirts, black pants. I hate it. Lord, my least no. favorite combo, but Blitty. I'm going to go with it. It's, it's time. It's time for them to do something different. And they're going to go with it, and it's not my favorite, but that's what I'm going to go with. And then I'm going to score. Um, you know, this is a game that I picked us to win in the preseason pickums, which we've already made it to my win total, so it doesn't really matter for me. All Congratulations. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I am going to go. I, I Honestly, I believe in this team. I know we have a big game coming up the following week, but there's no way this team is looking ahead. I believe Duke wins, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 42, 42 to 17. 42 to 17. I think we blow them out. And uh, yeah, no further, no further comment. Okay, I just happened to look this up because Jamie said what he said about he didn't know about the crowd. It is homecoming for Georgia Tech. I mean, it was homecoming for Duke this past Saturday. So, uh, blah, blah, but that that was uh, in a hurricane. That's true. Right. Sorry, just Josh throw it out Brian. there for Brian. So, <laughs> hey, your your score prediction is actually close to the points per game for each team. Duke averaging thirty five a game, Georgia Tech sixteen a game. Yeah, I knew that. That's why I did it. No, of course you did. Of course you did. Uh, Jersey first. Georgia Tech, like Virginia, has a lot of combinations, and I love it. I think they're going to rock. I, I always do this, but I think Georgia Tech's going to go yellow, yellow, blue. That's just one of those combinations. Oh. I know, but it's going to be the honeycomb helmet. I can just see that happening. Homecoming. So for Duke, if they go gold, gold, blue, we're going to go blue, white, white with the white D. As far as the score, Josh, I think me and you are, are aligned as far as thought process. If we can stop their run, I think that is the key pivotal point of this game. I don't think the passing is the big issue. It's the it's the rushing. But I think Duke will get out to yet another fast start. Kevin Johns has shown it doesn't matter who we are up against on the field. We are going to get out fast. I think we're going to go Duke 38, Georgia Tech 21. 38-21 Blue Devils. So... We all predicted Duke to beat Georgia Tech in the preseason. We're going to keep that. It's a clean sweep across the board. But as we stated, look Wednesday on Twitter and Facebook. We will want to know your score predictions. And as always, if you get the closest, you will have a free Bleed Blue shirt coming your way. Jamie. If any, whoever's listening, if you, you hear my score, 34-14, do something different. <laughs> because true. it's not going to happen. I've been That's terrible true. at the scores this year. Well, listen, before we close out this episode, we got some housekeeping to do. The first thing is promoting our website, dukefootballtalk.com. Hit that up for anything you need, articles and whatnot. Uh, obviously, our Facebook group, Duke Football Talk, uh, just by searching that, we're getting close to 1,000 members on the Facebook group, Instagram, at Duke FB Talk, Twitter, at Duke FB Talk, podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. 
if they allow reviews, a review, we would appreciate it. You guys do an awesome job. We love our community. If we've earned the five stars, would you be so kind to give it to us? If we've not earned the five stars, no. That's as simple as that. And then the second, the second item that we must discuss, we're not looking ahead. We we have talked solely about Georgia Tech. We're planning ahead. But the game time was announced exactly for that UNC game following Saturday, October the 15th at Wallace Wade. It's an 8 p.m. start. Tickets, GA tickets are gone. And that and let's be honest, we know, let's just be real. It ain't Duke fans that bought those. UNC fans bought them. So at the end of the day, here's what we're asking you to do. We will help you. If you have tickets and you're not going to be able to attend the game and you want a Duke fan to get your ticket and not a Carolina fan, we will try to help you by using our Twitter account and if need be, our Facebook group um, to try to locate buyer a buyer for you and just get you guys connected. We're obviously not ticket brokers or dealers. At the end of the day, we just want Duke fans to be in the stands uh, for the UNC game. And so if you would like to give your tickets or you'd like to sell your tickets, uh, you can let us know and we'll help post them on Twitter um, with our following and our our base there um, and try to get you guys connected. Can we ask you to do this? If you want tickets, don't message us. Wait for us to post them and then we'll work through it. If, if everybody that wants tickets messages, we're going to get lost in the shuffle there. And we want to do right by people. We don't want to screw people over. And so that UNC game is going to be a big one. 8 PM uh, night game rivalry, trying to get that victory bell. Who knows? Both teams could run into that, go into that game sitting at five and one. So any thoughts on that guys, anything to add to that for the Carolina game before Brian takes us out of here? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say I did look on a secondary market website. There are a ton of GA tickets available. So while we are hearing rumblings that they are going to claim it as a sold out game, there are still tickets on the secondary market. If you don't want to wait, by all means, buy those tickets. I would much rather just be sitting next to a dark blue fan than a light blue fan, if we're being honest, because there will be a lot of them. Heck, Scott will probably get into a shouting match with one of them during the game. Let's be real. He, he did a few, uh, 2018. <laughs> oh, yes. That's the plan. That is the, that's the idea. But hey, look, honestly, we need you to be there. If you're a Duke fan, this team deserves yes the stadium to be full of Duke blue. This team deserves it. There's a it, they've played as well as they have. We've this is a totally different team. If you've not come out and seen them, if you've only watched them on TV, this is a perfect opportunity to come Saturday night. That's the best night to watch football. We've always wanted to be on prime time. We're not in our 12 o'clock slot as usual. We're on primetime, 8 o'clock. Be there. Be proud. Be loud in your Duke blue. In your bleed blue t-shirt. In your bleed blue t-shirt. Also, which we still have for sale. <laughs> Message us and let us know. Let's go. And we do have uh, helmet magnets as well with yes. uh, with our logo on them. You can DM us on Twitter. We can tell you how to buy either one of those. And we can either ship them or give them to you at the game. Are we, are we done with our shameless plugs? I think we're done. <laughs> Happy birthday, Nina. <laughs> happy birthday, Nina. Scott, happy, you know, happy birthday, Nina. Uh, I told her happy birthday a few oh, months yeah, ago. Right. All right. Hey, well, I, if we want to talk about the devil going down to Georgia, looking for a win to steal. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the end of this episode is complete. Brian, hurry up and take us out of here, man. I am going to close this out. Another great episode has come to a close. Thank you to each and every one of you that listens weekly. 
We are looking forward to this Saturday's game against Georgia Tech, 4 o'clock, Valley Sports Network. I myself will have to be at a restaurant to watch the game because I don't have it. But with that being said, this will conclude another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. For Jamie Holt, for Josh Cox, for Scott Midland, and for producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy. We'll see you next week. Peace. Now turn the music up.